When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> it would be a wolf's fun, eh? On goes full. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Flash in the shot. What a goal! Hello and welcome everyone to today's episode of Wolves Fancast, part of the Audi Network. Uh, it's Rich Hobbs here, of course, um, to talk about yesterday's game against Fulham. Uh, guiding us through tonight, last night's game, I've got Tom Tom, uh, that's Green and Calvert, and I've also got Andy. Guys, have we all calmed down from yet? Today, yes. Yeah, but like I said, yeah, like I just said before we came on air, I'm calm now, and I'm just going to get myself all riled up again. Coming on this, it's just depressing. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> you, get, you get so angry last night. Come in, didn't want to talk to the missus, didn't want to talk to anyone. Basically, I've had the day to calm down, and I'm going to get all riled up again. And to top it off, she's pissed off with me because she wants to watch Bake Off. So, <laughs> even better. <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. I I I had the uh, the other issue that I I just couldn't get to sleep. I was still like trying to like process all the different things that went on in the game, and I, I I'm really keen, guys. Um, and shout out to everyone who's joining in live and watching back on YouTube, listening on podcasts. Um, really keen to actually talk about the game and performance itself because I think that we're we're going to talk about VAR. Of course, we are. Um, there's kind of no avoiding it. Um, but I'm also kind of keen to talk about some of the stuff that went on um, within the game because, fuck me, that must have been a great game if you were neutral. I, I thought genuinely, particularly like that first first half and probably up to about the 60th minute or so, it felt like a really kind of evenly contested contest about two teams trying to play like a good football, would you say, Andy? Absolutely. To I can't remember was it Henry Winters I think on on Twitter who's said about you know it's two young managers both going for it in a big game on Monday night football. It could have been the perfect advertisement for Premier League football had it not been for you know the controversies that sort of come on a little bit later. But everything was stack, stacking up to be a really good game, and I think both teams played their part in it. It was really interesting until it was frustrating, I think. Yeah, I think I'd say a nice way of looking at it. I mean, if if we're able to kind of cast our mind back to, I guess, the starting line, then I think the only real change, or it was a very much reinforced one with Craig Dawson not starting. And I think sort of it's a good point to start in terms of um, Santi Bueno in his first league start, because... Let, let's be honest, uh, uh, Tom G, he, 
He didn't exactly set the world alight in his League Cup debut, but he seemed to have stepped up um, yesterday and looked a lot more of a reassuring figure. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that, really. I mean, on the preview, I spoke about him and said, you know, it's a big opportunity for him. And if you're going to bring him in, this game was probably the best game to bring him into the team. Um, I thought he'd done okay. He didn't do too bad. I mean, I don't know. If I was really going to criticise him, I'd talk about the first goal, um, the Iwobi goal, maybe. But overall, I don't think he'd done too bad. No, I, I I don't think he did either. And to be fair, I don't think anyone had a kind of a complete shocker of a game yesterday. And I don't think, you know, by any by any measure, he, like he stood out and it was like we've unearthed this like Uruguayan gem at the back. Uh, but at the same time, I think it, it, I, I appreciate this shouldn't be a baseline, but you know, it wasn't the, it, like Jesus Faleco, um when he was at <laughs> Wolves kind of level. Tom, Tom, I'm a judge of that. Yeah, I mean, if that's the barometer, he ain't got much to live up to, has he, really? Um, I, I thought it was actually quite good. I didn't think he looked out of place. Um, I think, like, with a a back a back three or slash five, it can sometimes mask certain weaknesses of certain players. You've got players to bail you out if, if you need mm. to. Um, and, that, and, and that's the same with Dawson, really. You know, he's looked a lot more comfortable in there. With, with three at the back because he can he can play deep and he doesn't have to engage too high up the pitch and we all know his weaknesses on turn and and his lack of pace. Um, but I thought I thought Santi did yeah I thought he did, did, did he did pretty well to be fair he cleared a lot from um, a lot of crosses from in the box you know he just he was like oh there there he is again and and again and again and I thought actually on the ball he wasn't too bad either. Um, I think that's one of kind of the reputation is, is you know someone who could play the ball out the back and it's a couple of nice nice um, nice passes from from the back. So I thought he did fine. I mean, much 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 improved from from Ipswich to be fair. So hopefully there's more to come. No, I agree. I think I think the kind of the passing out from back. I know um, for those watching live, um, you'll see that he got I think it was an eighty three point six passing accuracy. I think only Lamina in terms of outfield players had a. Um, higher percentage of that, and so I, I, I don't think he, you know, stood out meteorically. But I think if let's say if, if Dawson picked up a knock or Gomez or Kilman, you know, if they get suspended, let's say, and he has to come in, I I wouldn't be as worried as I was, you know, three days ago, sort of thing. Um, but Tom, you, you were right, maybe a couple of question marks on him for a first goal which it feels like it was about three weeks ago um to, to be honest but um yeah it, it yet again balls andy struggling from the uh struggling sort of opening stages of the match as well yeah it's becoming a bit of a uh, running theme isn't it i'm sure uh, our very own gully i think it was had said that we've only taken the lead in five games this season um, and only you know we haven't won all of those five five games in which we've taken the lead. We do seem to be a little bit sluggish and in inviting opposition onto us. And I don't really understand why we we start that way. You'd think that obviously Gary O'Neill seems to set the teams out knowing what they're going to be doing throughout the game. So I don't know why it takes us a good five, ten, fifteen minutes to feel our way into it rather than imposing ourselves on the match. And with all due respect to Fulham, 
that is a kind of match we should be imposing our way of football onto. And it felt like we never quite got to grips with that in that opening 20 minutes. But obviously, as soon as they took that lead, it, I think it was a bit of a shot in the arm for them, to be honest. But I don't know. I, I just don't understand why. This is something I think we need to iron out of our game, to be perfectly honest. There's a couple of issues I have. One of them is very much that slow start. We need to get that. And the other issue that we come across quite a bit as well is our disciplinary. Those two are massive factors for me at the moment in why things, they go okay, but they only go okay after a certain amount of time. If you look at Spurs, we have to come back from, you know, from being 1-0 down against Sheffield United last night against Fulham. So many times we've been trailing and had to fight our way back into it. And it's just a little bit worrying that, especially with our track record on goals scored, that eventually is that going to dry up and all of a sudden we're just going to start looking at not getting back into these games. We need a little bit more of a defensive solidity, I think. And like Mario Lamina is great, don't get me wrong, but he can't be doing everything. We need someone else who's going to be some, tracking some of these runners. Because I do feel like Awobi's goal was not great, but Bellegarde didn't track. He was caught out of position. There was no one from the midfield anywhere near Awobi who really, I know it's in Bueno's area, but at the same time, I would want a midfielder tracking him. And no one really got near anyone. And I've just noticed that a few too many times. We've just given up too many decent chances at the moment. And that just worries me a little bit going forward. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, you, you part about sort of no one set themselves right. And it's a, it, I mean, do you remember... But towards the start of the season, we had like a number of games where they struggled at the start of the second half in kind of almost similar fashion to what we're doing now mm. in the first mm. half and just, you know, making sure they're starting with that right level of intensity. And sometimes, you know, it's a bit coincidental or they, you know, a good team catches you out. Um, like what I guess more happened against Spurs than yesterday. But it, it's so frustrating. It makes it so much bloody harder for ourselves. Um, and that, that kind of leads into, I guess, multiple suspensions we're picking up. And I know it's, you know, for season four, it, don't get me wrong, but it, it it makes things difficult. So, you know, over a course of the game yesterday, both our centre midfielders end up on getting their fifth bookings of the season. So, you know, against, uh, you know, one of the best teams in the league now without our arguably our two starting centre midfielders and it, and it's unavoidable like in the grand scheme of things isn't it but at the same time to lose them both losing them both at the same time is a big blow and puts a lot of emphasis a on Doyle and Traore who are going to come in I, I assume and also you know who's who, what happens if Tommy Doyle picks up a knock or Boo Traore gets two yellows, which isn't exactly out of the realms of possibility. Mm, it's a good point because we do have some depth, but the fact is we're only 13 games into the season. And as you say, our two starting midfielders have both picked up five bookings already. I mean, one of them's been sent off, for fuck's sake. We're only 13 games into the season. That's almost <laughs> a booking, like yeah. one in three. That That's kind of awful. 
And I know that at the start of the season, we, we spoke about it on the podcast, that the refs were very hard line with the bookings and everything. But they do seem to have eased up a little bit. But our midfielders are certainly not one for going easy on themselves or making taking the right decision at times, I think. And it leaves us vulnerable because it only takes something silly. It only takes giving away a penalty in the last minute. It might have been accidental, but that could easily have led to a booking because that's what they're like now. So they do need to be a little bit smarter about these things. That That's what I mentioned about the uh, our disciplinary record. I just don't think it's good enough that we're 13 games in. We've had two players suspended, three players, because wasn't Dawson suspended as well? He's had a match ban. We've had yeah, one, Dawson's, two, Yeah, three, Dawson's tomatoes. Yeah. 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 It, that's a worry this early in the season that we've been so badly uh, so bad with our mentality when it comes to to just taking a step back, having a breath and thinking about what you're doing. We're a little bit too gung-ho at times when it comes to, to going in on those tackles, I think. But Lamina's actually had seven bookings, hasn't he? He's had seven because he got sent off for two, for, for two yellows. So he's had seven bookings in 13 games. Yeah. Um, uh, when Gomez... I mean, Gomez had a reputation it's before. Good go with that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's it. Like, Gomez has just picked up, like, you know, you, you knew was, well, first game he played for is like, okay, this is a guy who's going to pick up some bookings. And you can say the same for Traore as well. Mm. I think um, I think it probably is mentality, but I think they're already that type of player, aren't they? They're already a type of player who gets a foot in and maybe leaves a mark early doors or they play with such pace because they do, they do press hard, to be fair to them. And it only takes someone to spin you and then you're done and then it's pretty much a booking isn't it pretty much straight away so it might be I, th- I think that the, the stuff around discipline in regard to our how we were like you know throwing arms up moaning at officials has has improved from last season and I think that comes from probably the manage managerial change and probably the captaincy change to be fair as much as I love Ruben he, he likes to moan as well and I think when your leader's doing that it, it only you know does the same for, for players around you but um, the high pressing intense game that Gary O'Neill's playing, I think, probably leads us to be picking up a few more bookings as well. But I completely agree, Andy. It's a, it is a it is a concern because you're otherwise you're chopping and changing all the time, and you know what every manager wants to set up team. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, you know, even looking at kind of yesterday, I I, I get it, and it, it's not necessarily the thing at the forefront of Gary O'Neill's mind when he's you know, making necessary tactical decisions. But Gomez gets booked in the first half about half an hour in. And everyone knows at that point he's missing the next game. Lamina is quite pivotal for this Wolves team. It is very much feels like Lamina and one other, um, or potentially two others. But then the game was tiring and Lamina was looking shot after about 75, 80 minutes anyway. But then he brings Tommy Doyle on for Mateus Kuna and literally a minute later, Lamina gets booked and is suspended as well. And I don't know. I sort of think just if we'd have switched out Lamina at that point, yeah, Lamina would probably get a booking against Arsenal. Don't get me wrong. But at least you wouldn't then be without two players at the same time. I mean, we're splitting hairs and, and things like that, but it doesn't necessarily help help matters on the pitch sometimes does it and you can't feel the knock-on effects later doors but let's talk about let, let, let's get back to the, the football side of things guys because we had that rocky sort of first 
10, 15 minutes. And even after they scored, we looked a bit shaky um, as well. We did start to find our rhythm. And um, you mentioned Bellegarde um, not doing much tracking. I still love him, though. I, lo- I, lo- I love how he just... He's got a one-track mind. and It is a beautiful footballing mind. And that bit of wizardry for the goal. Just, just glorious wing play, and you don't see enough of it. Yeah, he's a bit of a maverick, isn't he? I think and that's the best way to describe him. Yeah, you're going to get some good, you're going to get some bad with him, but I think the good is definitely going to outweigh the bad overall for him. And it, it was sexy as fuck the way he just shimmied past him and <laughs> played that ball. Yeah. And it was, it was awesome. It was really good. Yeah, I think I think he's he's definitely got a big future with us. I mean, especially for the price we got him in as well. Mm. And, you know, he started really well. I mean, when Luton away, obviously being sent off, that was, what, his second game for us? So, you know, yeah. that already there's a knock-on mm. for him and to come straight into the team and do what he's doing. Hopefully he can continue, you know, keep bringing the goods for us. Yeah. And I thought... I, it, it, I, when you kind of look at it in terms of actually, you know, picking out someone at the back, but like all the things you're sort of crying out for your wide players to do, and you know, having a Dharma Traore try and fail to do that several seasons in a row, um, he just seems to have something about him, and I think it's been nice for him to at least have that to really, I guess, validate it in terms of uh, having an output to his game because. Like he looked really good against Spurs for me until he sort of dropped off the pace. But he's got some fit, you know. He, he, Andy, you're right, he's a bit of a maverick. That doesn't always necessarily lend itself to statistical output, which is what we all love to judge a game of football on. Um, don't, but actually, you know, it, it's combining that joyfulness of why we love watching football with actually giving a bit of end product at the end as well. It is. It, it is, and I know it seems very, very harsh to judge Adama Traore on what he produced, like as output compared to what he got the excitement that he gave you as a fan. It is harsh, but at the same time, that is very much the end line when it comes to a footballer. And you are right; it's good that he's been able to come into this team. He hasn't been in the team long. He's had he had a bit of an injury. He had that suspension. But he's come in, he seems to have settled, he's got himself a goal, he's got himself some assists, he's got himself some, you know, some praise from pundits and everything. It's what you want to see from a player when he's been here since, what, the end of August? So we're looking at three months now at this point. It's it's a very good start for him and, like, Lung may it continue. Yeah. And important for Kuna to get on the score sheet as well, I thought. Yeah, he took it well. He's, he's, mm. he's missed easier chances than that this season, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, it was it was nice to see, and uh, it was nice to hear a bit of praise at half time from the uh, the Sky pundits as well. You know, saying that uh, you know it was it was an e- it looked easy, but it was it was harder than you think. Um, and he was getting in the right area. What I liked about that goal, which seems to be a massive change in our play this season compared to previous, well, I don't know, three four seasons, is is we had men in the box. 
I think there was five of us, five men in the box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, if, yeah. if you look at Lamina, Lamina's actually the furthest one forward. He's actually on the on the last man. And what that does, if nothing else, is it, it drags defenders out into into areas they shouldn't be. And that was clear from that goal because um, it's Castagna, I think, wasn't it? He got dragged into the middle, marking. Um, it might have even been Lamina, and it left two of us at the back the back post. Who Belgard picked him out perfectly. So there's a lot to like about that goal, I thought, and it was a really really good play all round. Yeah, I think, uh, like you say, with Cunha as well, especially he's shooting, you know, he's missed some chances for us, which you think he should be putting it in the net. But, like you say, you've got to be in those positions to score. And, you know, he's took it well. Hopefully, he can go on a run now. I mean, I said on the preview, uh, my prediction was 1-0 Cunha. Um, so, at least I got one thing right with a goal scorer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I was going to say, um, Tom, your point about actually being actually a very well-crafted goal and very, very much, I guess, a training ground goal. It doesn't always look like a training ground goal because it it's not a coincidence multiple players ended up finding space in the box and certain players were making those runs. And, you know, it shows good work by Kuna to peel off, um, to kind of go to the back stick. But the fact that we ended up with you know, potentially three options. And depending on where those defenders went, we were able to um, we were able to find someone at the back post, which is which is really good. And I thought Wolves looked really sharp on the turn um for a lot of the game. And I think it probably helped that Polinia wasn't playing, but um you know it, even Huang had a really good chance at one one way kind of um, caught one against the bar as well, and there's, I think both sides were probably, I say, guilty of this. But it felt like there's quite a lot of like more than a half chance, but not a full chance. Can you have a three quarter chance? <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you mean. It it was slightly better than you know a snapshot, but mm. he was still like twenty five yards out, so you don't expect him to score. But he did fantastically well with that. And I thought the pass through from Lamina as well was just yeah. phenomenal. Like such yeah. a such a good vision for a player you don't necessarily attribute those kind of passes through from. I think he did really well. And yeah, I think Huang possibly could have taken it a little bit closer and had a pop. But at the same time, he's playing with a little bit of confidence. So why not have a dig? I mean, I think... It wasn't one nil, yeah. I, in, in my head, it was a one one, but no, it was, it was before we even scored, and it, it seemed like a tactic they tried a couple of times, as we will go on to in a second. To be fair, but let, let's try and get through some of the things in the second half periodically because um, it, it was backwards and forwards, and uh, I'm just going to pause because it's still annoying me, and I'm getting to share a screenshot now. Um, and I'm trying to work out like what's annoyed me most about it, um, to be honest, because I, I do get it that in real time, I did think it was a penalty. I think you look at, uh, you know, Sinedo's positioning, um, it, it, it felt really sloppy on that first uh, camera angle that I watched it on. And then obviously you see the replay, you see Clyde does get a good contact on the ball. And I know um, Howard Webb and VAR and whoever 
you know, we'll kind of go into intricacies of how much contact on the ball dictates it. But for me, that that wasn't necessarily, the, I don't know, there, there's so many layers to this because uh, it's, it, just yet again, we are here, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's a big thing. Um, I think in real time, you can see him giving it because it's kind of like the dangle of the leg from Smider, the lunging to get the ball. Um, but then when he has the VAR in his ear and he's being told by other officials to, you know, on the decision and he's come out and said after the game that it's not a penalty, then he should be sent to the screen to look at it. I mean, like I say, in real time, if he thought it was a penalty, yeah, but that's cool. We all make mistakes. Footballers make mistakes, so do referees. But that's why VAR is there to make sure these mistakes don't happen. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I, do I think that Samedo got enough of the ball to say it's definitely not a penalty? Maybe not, to be honest. And I, But at the same time, he, he clearly he clearly gets in front of um, Samedo on second viewing. And the fact that... Um, it doesn't kind of quite come through. Um, it, it's just so frustrating um, to, to watch. And I think the thing that I guess annoyed me more um, about it is I don't think that Kenny fouls Lamina. Uh, like about five seconds before, um, Lamina gets caught in possession. Kenny puts in a really strong tap challenge. And I think, sure, on the other foot, if Lamina makes that challenge, and in fact, you know, got pulled up for a free kick, I think we'd be livid. But the amount of contact that Kenny had on Lamina was far more than Samedo on Kenny in the box. And it, I just, I know either we have a contact sport and, you know, a if you, if you, you know, cleanly win the ball or, you know, you make a good contact with the ball, but you make contact contact with a player that's fine or we just say yeah you know if you catch the player at the same time it, it it's such a tight variation for me but sorry sorry Tom carry on mate carry on sorry. Well, I was just going to say it seems now that the the contact with the ball is like secondary. It's like if, if it's a minimal contact on the ball, that sort of doesn't count. But you can have a minimal contact on a player and suddenly that's enough for it to be a penalty mm. when it should be completely the opposite way around. So Samedo flicks the ball and I don't really think he touches Kenny or if he does, it's the, it's a brush of his leg. Yeah, But they seem to just dismiss the fact he's touched the ball and concentrate on the fact that he may have touched his leg. So I just don't, I can't get my head around that. And I, the thing that really annoys me, and I think we brought it up on this before, is contact doesn't necessarily mean foul, does it? Is was that contact yeah. enough for Kenny to go over like that? Absolutely not. Was it, it? It's the same with Harry Wilson as well, which we'll touch on later. But I mean, obviously Wilson dives over Gomez's leg for one. Um, and I remember listening to the 
the audio absolutely faster than audio um, for the uh, Huang one against Newcastle. And I'm sure there's a line in there where they said, "Oh, and, and yeah, he just flicks the ball there. Oh, and then he may may um, make contact with with the attacker." And so they just dismiss the touch of the ball thing. That just that just seems irrelevant now. And let's just concentrate on whether there is or isn't contact. And the fact he doesn't go over to the screen. If you looked at these, those, those, both those decisions last night in isolation, you can, you can't have your cake. You can't say you can go to the screen for the one, for the second one, and not go to the screen for the first. It makes absolutely no sense because they're both minimal at, at, at absolute best. Well, they're not penalties, are they? Let's face it, but. How you can go mm. to the screen for one and not the other is is an absolute joke, and I, I just, I just, I just really don't understand it anymore. I've, I've lost, I've lost all confidence in it whatsoever now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like the attitude towards what you do when you get in the box has completely changed in football now as well. It's not about working opportunity to get a goal. It feels like it's working an opportunity to go down and hope either the ref or VAR agrees with this softest of soft touches. Yeah. And I've watched that. I was up so late last night just watching replays of this fucking video. (laughs) It's ridiculous. And I'm still not convinced there was any contact, let alone enough contact for him to go down, whether he touched the ball or not. The fact that he touches the ball just adds an extra layer of that definitely isn't a penalty. But you, you were right though, Tom. Like you shouldn't be having your cake and eat it on this. They say like it's like it's got to be a clear and obvious error for them to change a decision. So how is that a clear and ob- not a clear and obvious error? But the Joe Gomez one a little bit later is a clear and obvious error when the ref has got an even better view of the pitch. And decides it's not a foul. So I just, I absolutely don't get how it's worked at the moment. It's just utter nonsense. Yeah, uh, I think the thing is, nowadays, like players, like we said earlier, players will go into the box in hope of getting a foul. Players aren't going into the box now in hope of scoring a goal half the time. Because after time, players will get into the box, feel a touch, and a bang on the ground in hope for a penalty. When realistically, with VAR being in the game, I feel that should take it away from players to be going down when there's contact. Because surely, if the technology were used correctly, then more players would be booked for going down diving. Do I think Samadov's touched him enough for him to go down? Not at all. I didn't think it was a penalty. It's just so frustrating because you're just yeah. uh, fighting an uphill battle all the time, isn't it? With it, yeah, yeah. it's getting and worse. It's it's not it's not improving, is it? It's literally getting worse week on week on yeah. week on month on month. I don't remember any of these sort of controversies when it first when Varfoot was first around. Maybe no, maybe it's recency bias. I don't know, mm. but I can't remember the the amount of howlers that they've been this season alone compared to previous ones so it's actually getting worse but so what are they what are they going to do about it is it's going to continue to get worse forever and we've just got to live with it you know and it's 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 affected us obviously massively and more than any other team by country mile but it Mm. should be about the greater good for football because people are genuinely getting really pissed off with it now i'd I'd love to know how many how many like var outcomes have impacted the result of a game and i don't just mean like you know 
they gave a penalty and it ended up, you know, 2-1, they lost still. Like, how many actual outcomes of a VAR interference where it's something subjective that has had a detrimental effect on the outcome of a match? Because it feels so, so regular this season compared to other years. I know we had that one weekend last season where there was like four or five things that happened on one weekend. But that feels like it's every single weekend at the moment this season. It feels like we've had like at least a dozen games where there's been a massive, massive fuck up where absolutely everybody disagrees with the outcome that's been given. It's not even like it's 50-50. You can see why it was given and some might say, well, I don't agree. Everyone just seems to be in unison saying this is just going so far sideways now. You've completely ballsed everything up. And I saw today apparently Howard Webb's big plan is to get a dozen ex-pros in to help with the refing and stuff, which I don't think is going to help because you hear fucking idiots like Gabriele Bonlahor talking about it and he doesn't have a clue what the rules are. Like, I just, I despair, I despair. I mean, to be fair, Gabby, Gabby Bonhoeffer strikes me as someone who doesn't understand a lot of things. If we're if we're going to be brutally honest, um, but, but you are right. the alphabet, I think. Um, <laughs> it's... <laughs> but it's, I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's like a perfect solution for me. I the ref yesterday for every decision, he did take his time. Like he paused and took his time on it. He didn't rush it. He did pause. It's like mm-hmm. well. And I've got no issue with that. But the fact he can't go, you know what? I'm going to give it a penalty, but I'm going to look at the monitor. And it just having to have that, actually, you know what? I understand why you conviction. I don't understand why you need to necessarily have someone to tell you it was an error. Because clearly he paused long enough to have a thought process towards it, which is only kind of human and natural. But for him not to validate his his own opinion of the situation, I, I struggle with. And, and you know, it, it's not. I think he should be second guessing himself. But clearly, it was a type. It, it looked in real time, but it could have been one decision, or it could have been another. But that gap we have between VAR of ah, yeah, but it's not clear enough. To be an error, but it is an error. It it is that mm. that pendulum is just mm. not swinging our way at the moment. Mm. Um, uh, it, it 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 it's bizarre and it's frustrating. You know, you've got. I think Howard Webb's got your internet. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Having issues here, Rich. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say. I know. It feels like it, yes. <laughs> um, I, I don't know how much you all heard of that rant, so apologies. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's talk about the Hwang penalty. Let's move on to the next one then. Um, definite penalty. 
big question is yeah 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 why wasn't this a another second yellow and it sums it up doesn't it when they get it right they yeah. still get it wrong yeah, so, yeah. Tim Green never even looked at the ball Tim no. Ream's eyes were always on Huang. Huang was bursting through. Tim Ream's like, fuck, I'm in trouble here. So all he does is he just barges across, clears him out. I think he tried to do it so that he was just outside the box, but Huang was just too quick for him, wasn't he? So it tumbles over. It looks like it's right on the line in fairness, but yeah, penalty is definitely the right decision. But I, I believe after the game, Gary O'Neill did say that one of the one of his members of staff had been told that they got it wrong and that it should have been a second booking. And that's absolutely what it should have been, shouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, you know, it's going back to the officials again. And unfortunately the way that this game was played yesterday, you come out the talking points and the main talking point of the game is VAR and the officials, which is really frustrating. I mean, mm. this goal obviously come from the ball over the top. He's got there first, and like you say, he's just took him out. He's wiped him out. So, I mean, how, how that isn't a second yellow is unbelievable. And, I mean, then they come out and say after, yeah, but it was, he should have been sent off. But it changes the game. Whole Changes the whole game. It, it really does. That, and that's still, that's still there, the one on the right. I mean, you look at that. So, Wang's on goal. The ball's ahead of him. And then the defence mm-hmm. obviously wiped out. In what world is that not a yellow card? Like I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I just, I just don't, I don't get it. And I said mm-hmm. at the time, I said, how come he hasn't been booked? And I don't think they can retrospectively book people with VAR anyway, can they? I think that's the thing. No. A red. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, they, they got, <laughs> they still got it wrong, even though they made the bloody decision <laughs> in our favour. So that's great. That's it. We, it's like Rich said before, we're just not getting the rub of the green on these decisions whatsoever. And it, it comes back to bite us on the arse because we did so well to then get back on to 2-2. Uh, the game, I, I didn't feel like there was a great deal of like talking points between our second goal and then the winner, to be perfectly honest. It felt like that, that period of time in between was a bit stodgy. One team had a go, then the other team had a go, and no one... It looked like there was going to be a winner but no team really took the game by the scruff of the neck, would you say? I completely agree. Yeah. 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 I think, I think it's slight. I was, I, you know, I, I, O'Neill's got a lot of credit in the bank at the moment. I wasn't a massive fan of the sub he made because um, it was quite defensive. And then you saw he gave the note to Doyle to give to Kilman and then he yeah. went five. So we are going five at the back because before then it seemed very much like a four, four, two. Um, with Huang on the right and Doc on the left. Um, so it's a bit bit of a negative change, to be fair. And OK, fair enough, if you want to shut up shop and get a point against Fulham, you know, maybe fair enough, I suppose. But um, I don't think it was the right change at the right time. Mm. Um, One of the change we made, sorry to, to interrupt no, you. On, no. The other change was the Kalajic coming on. Um, a lot of people on Twitter seem to have been very divided on this one. Some saying, obviously, he did well because he won the flick on that Wang got onto the end of to win the penalty. And other people have been absolutely slaughtering him for his performance in this. Tom G, thoughts? Hey, Kalozic, for you, what, what do you think? Um, he's had better games. He's definitely had better games in the Wolf shirt. 
But at the same time, you know, I'm not expecting him to hit the ground running every week. When he's come on late and done good for us and won us points in games, you know, everyone's singing his praises and he looks like your number nine. Was he good last night? I don't think so. I wasn't convinced with his performance. Um, I seen one tweet and someone said if this was Fabio, he would have had a lot more hate if he put the cameo that um, Sasa did last night. But at the same time, Sasa's scored his goals when we've needed them. So I got, hopefully it's just an off game and he can get back running. But he's had not many minutes and with the minutes he's had, he has done well. So hopefully it's just an off game and he can get back on form, in my opinion. Mm. Tom, the, I heard you mention Doherty just before I jumped in on you before. He was obviously the other sub that was made. He's possibly the worst signing we've made in quite a while, would you say? He, he looks yeah. fucking dreadful, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> we've actually uh, we overpaid for him while getting him on a free somehow. I don't know if that's happened. <laughs> Awful. A little bit, a few, a few thousand signing on fee. I, I, I'll defend him a tiny bit. I mean, he's not a he's not a left wing back. I know he did he left back for us like years ago, championship. Mm. He's definitely not a left midfielder. Um, mm. But that is just where our attacks went to die, second half. As soon as it went anywhere near that left-hand side, that was it, gone. Like, the ball was gone or the momentum was gone. It was just... I mean, even the even the, our first goal, he makes a really shaky pass to Santi. And if Santi doesn't, you know, get a touch on that, mm. we, they were in on that as well. So even in the bloody build-up to the goal, uh, one of our goals, he was at fault. I mean, he still gets in those positions. I mean, that one, one thing he does, I mean, that second half, uh, one where he was, he was through, I mean, he absolutely... Balls it right up when he got through. Um, mm-hmm. He does get in those positions, but I mean, it, it's not. It's it's not the he's uh, not the answer, is he? Let's face it. I was actually I wouldn't have been against Sarabia but if you're actually going to play him as a left mid to put put Sarabia on, or even at left wing back because left uh, Sarabia has played left wing back like early early on in his career. Um, but yeah, God, he was bad, wasn't he? I think it made a massive difference. It's because we get so much from Nori on that side, or at least we have this season. Um, you know, it's actually an attacking outlet, whereas it was everything but that last night. Mm. It, it was it was really, really poor. I feel like we would have been better off bringing Johnny on rather than Doc, if I'm perfectly honest. And that's yeah. how far Doc's... Um, that's how far he's fallen down the pecking order in my eyes, to be perfectly honest. Because clearly the, the mind is willing, but the body is just not able anymore. Yeah. And at least with Johnny, I, I miss when Johnny used to do the underlap and he was the second striker somehow from left back. And I feel like he would probably have been more beneficial than Doxy would have yesterday. Um, really. I think, yeah, um, you are... Oh, sorry, mate. Go on. No, carry on, Tom. Okay. Um, I think it's annoying, especially um, I've seen today on Instagram, someone commented something on Sarabia's posts on about how he didn't get any minutes and Sarabia replied with a thinking emoji. I mean, mm. he must be so frustrated. You've just come on the bench against Tottenham, scored a goal, got an assist, won the game, last minutes, unreal scenes, and then you're back on the bench again. But then not only that, someone else is playing in your position who doesn't play there. I mean, he's, he's got to be frustrated. And I mean, like, Doherty was awful last night and like we said it's like his mind's still there and he wants to play but his body just can't and you know mm. footballers get to an age where that does happen 
And I do believe his time probably is past. He's, you know, he's probably done now. I could say this and he'll go and score two goals against Arsenal from knowing my luck. But, um, like he got, he still gets in those positions. He probably could have called, um, could have scored two goals last night with the chances he had. So it, it's kind of still there, but I, I just don't know anymore with Doherty. And I think Sarabia, you know, has got to be frustrated watching off the bench when someone else who's in your position who doesn't even play there. Mm. I mean, even little Dan in the group chat said exactly the same and he hates Sarabia with a passion. <laughs> so I think that says a lot about it. Richie, are you back with us, Macy? I think so. I hope so. I'm currently on my mobile while my computer does um, what appears like lifetime updates. Um, completely <laughs> agree with Sarabia stuff. It, I, yeah, I don't quite know why he didn't go for him considering... That's the area in the middle of the park where Fulham were struggling on those turnovers and having that little bit more space um, to exploit. And I think, yeah, I I, I get the um, Doherty stated. I think what we did was like exemplify how good Aitnor has been and how pivotal he's been. But he just said, we kept getting the ball out there because that's like the pattern of play for Wolves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just couldn't get it, just couldn't get it going. Um, one more thing I was going to say on the Wang penalty. Um, great analysis, boys. I think a lot of kudos needs to go for Wang for just absolutely just putting your laces through straight down the middle. Yeah, it's the Don Goodman school of penalty taking. Got a lot of time for you know. Don't get me wrong, Williams scores too, doing the stutter and everything. Like just just put your laces through. Don't, don't worry too much about where it's gonna go. Get a bit of hype behind it. Yeah, yes, please and thank you. Yeah. So I suppose really we need to talk about the final penalty. Um so really there's two questions. Is it a penalty and is it a penalty that VAR should be getting involved with? Tom C, what do you think? Um neither. So yeah, I don't think it's a penalty. Um I didn't think it was a penalty in real time and watching it back, I definitely don't think it's a penalty. Um, I think Harry Wilson's known for diving, isn't he, for one. So he's only mm-hmm. ever going to go over in that situation. And if you look, he just goes over, he just goes over Gomez's leg. I don't even think Gomez hangs his leg, really. Mm-hmm. If you look at it, it's not very far, it's not like an extended leg by any stretch. You know, um, he's, I think he's literally pretty much just, just stood there. And the re- then it really riles me, obviously the fact it was given really riles me. Um those two things really. I think I think the ball's in play for a while, and I think Fulham try and take a quick free kick, and the ref calls it back. The ball's carried on playing for a while there. I'm just wondering if that was ever if that if that foul was never ever given that whether that penalty would have ever been given because I think mm-hmm. too much time would have elapsed, and they're such chicken shits that they haven't got. They never stop a game, do they, to check a penalty? They have to wait for the ball to go and play, and if it's gone too long, it never happens. Um, it has to be like really really obvious. So I think that that counted against us. And the thing that, that really got me was when, because I don't think the ref on the field, actually, if you look at all the decisions in isolation, I don't think he's probably, I can, I can understand why he's given all of, or given or not given all the stuff he's, he's been given. But then when they're showing the replay, they're just showing that one angle, the angle that he mm-hmm. didn't have. So the angle literally where it looks like he's gone, you know, he's sort of, the, the one that looks, it makes it most look like a penalty. It doesn't mm-hmm. show him any other angles, which I just find absolutely baffling really they just shown that one where he's sort of face onto Wilson doesn't show the one from the side because as soon as I saw the one from the side 
I just thought, well, that's a dive. And then I started chatting, chatting to, to the people I was with. And I turned back to the screen. I said, are they still checking? It's like, surely, you know, I'm not cracking on with the rest of the game. Mm. Um, so it's a, it's a farce. Okay, it's what, a farce. What I sort of struggle to kind of justify, uh, struggle to understand, sorry, and I find slightly bewildered to say this, but Dean Smith made an excellent point on the uh, one I was watching. It's like, VAR, like, what's the kind of threshold? for VAR to intervene enough to send the ref to the monitor for a Harry Wilson penalty. But there isn't enough for them to send him for a monitor for the Smedo one to be ungiven, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. I don't... Because mm-hmm. I think the difference between the two... It, uh, yeah, I... I think the say I, I think I think the Wilson one is more of a penalty, and I'm a bit more frustrated with Gomez actually with it because I think he takes a bad touch. I think it bounces off his knee. He doesn't know where Wilson is. He has no perspective of um, you know his positioning, and he tries to pull out. And I think yeah, yeah, he argued makes a you know maybe he makes a bit of contact. Wilson clearly tries to buy it. He's running away from goal. He's going nowhere. And mm-hmm. out a lot of those decisions have gone against Wolves. And maybe even Kearney's to a degree. They've all like been very avoidable incidents, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd said this on Twitter last night. There's nothing wrong with just putting your foot through the board and clearing it. But you look at Silvers, you look at Huang's, and you look at last night's. Yeah. It's all trying to take a touch to set yourself to play it out. And sometimes you just can't do that. Sometimes you need to have a little bit of urgency and just clear your lines occasionally. So we have invited ourselves to be in a position where these decisions can go against us. But I do agree with Tom. that I, I don't think there was really enough in it to make a clear and obvious error that the ref gave it. But I do. if the ref had have given it... I think I'd have been more supportive of that as a penalty than the first one, personally, because there at least there is a little bit of contact. But just to plug our other, um, one of our other YouTube shows, uh, Gully's Tactical Analysis, today he's talking about like how the penalty works out. And I'd put in the group chat, the one thing that I've taken from it is that I don't think that penalties should be awarded for fouls, for all fouls in the box anymore. Because there's no way they're scoring from any of the penalties that we've conceded this season. And yet they get a one 80% chance of scoring, probably even higher than that. I would quite happily do away with penalties, to be perfectly honest, from now on. I don't think that they're a fair punishment for a foul that might be like 19 yards from the actual goal if they're on the corner of it. Just seems a bit odd to me. Um, t- talking about... The, the last minute penalty. I think um, going for the actual, what they're saying is a foul. Um, Gomez, you know, as we say, there's no problem with clearing the ball. Uh, you know, that's what Gomez has gone to do, really. And Wilson's coming from the blind side where, you know, he's got no idea of the man coming. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he's just gone, gone from the blind side. But I think the referee's got to think there. Um, with him coming from the blind side, where is Wilson aiming to go? Because he could have still carried on going after he got the ball from Gomez, 
but he's going away from the goal. So where what is he trying to win there? So I think mm-hmm. you know these things need to be taken into account. I I don't think it was a penalty personally, um, simply because I think Wilson was looking for it and he you know he knows what he's doing by going in and then as soon as he's just seen the leg, he's just gone. And, That's it. Yeah. You know. I think the, the game changed in the probably late 90s, early 2000s when pundits started talking about players buying a penalty. And that attitude is now prevalent in the game. Yeah. It is very much about not necessarily conning the ref, but it's making them make that decision. And it's not about standing up and, you know, getting the best out of the situation. Which brings me on to the next point which is Vinicius's headbutt. (laughs) Because had Max Kilman have thrown himself to the ground, I don't think it's questionable. I think he gets sent off. I think because Max is honest and that there's not a lot in it, that he gets away with it. I say, quote-unquote, soft headbutt, which is just farcical when you think about it. Tom J, should he have thrown himself to the ground? If you've got to throw yourself to the ground to get a red card, then everyone's going to start doing it. it yeah. You know, it shouldn't be that way, but it seems the way things are going. You have to throw yourself on the ground and scream and cry to get the opposition sent off. For the referee to come out and say, as you say, a soft headbutt is absolutely atrocious. There is no such thing as a soft headbutt. Like Gary O'Neill said in his press conference, how many kids have watched that game and are going to go and play on a Saturday morning knowing that they can softly head so- headbutt someone and get away with it? That's, you know, you don't play the game <laughs> for that. Um, and it's just, you know, he's really, really got away with one there because especially, not only has the ref said it's a soft headbutt, but Vinicius has come from the ground He's stood up into it. So he's tried to like kind of disguise it by doing it, which makes it even worse because he's come from the ground to try and use his momentum in, into Kilman's head. And, you know, and Kilman has done no wrong there. And then he's just not getting punished for it. If Kilman done that, would have would Kilman have been sent off if it was a different player? I don't know. And then it's just unbelievable to say it's a soft headbutt as well is just no that that's not football Mm. sean crow in the comments violent conduct i think there was more intent in that headbutt than bellegarde's kick push i think that's a very fair comment don't you tom c yeah yeah completely agree i think um do you want to see a captain like rolling around holding his face um probably not but it looks like literally, yeah, like we just said, that's what you've got to do these days, you know, for the for the good of your team. And we don't want to see it, but we've we're having to see it because of the absolute incompetence of the officials, because they can't judge a game on its merits. They have to look at players' reactions or see how much it's it's hurt a player or something. I just don't I really don't get it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I haven't got it for for a while now, to mm-hmm. be honest. They they're they're just incompetent. Morons. I was going to say, I was going to say, with Vinicius, and I, I know you shouldn't necessarily always take it into account, but isn't this like the third incident this season where yeah. he mm-hmm. arguably could have been pulled up? And no one, like no one, can tell me 
he's not not trying to make contact with Kilman. It's not like he's doing, you know, the whole fake out punch thing. Mm. Like mm. he he is trying to he-, he is trying to headbutt him. It's only because of you know literally Kilman's position and the fact that he's quite tall that he's just scraped his uh, he's just scraped his cheek. Um, again, I must say I-, I do kind of applaud Kilman because he didn't flinch, and I feel like if someone tried to headbutt me, I'd flinch pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> like he did like just stay with that but like again like you could see with Kilman like he had like a bit of a thought process being like wait has this just happened I don't quite know what to do because it, he yeah. clearly didn't make a lot of contact with him and I guess that that's what we sort of mean that it's not violent contact because uh, it's like violent conduct because he hasn't hit him but I it's there is a very clear intent there, and mm. I know I sort of think the ref's primary duty is the welfare of players, isn't it? Like that's that's why a ref is there is to make sure that you know twenty two people don't kick the shit out of each other. Mm. And yeah, I know if you let things like that go, like it. <sighs> It, it, it's worrying, to be honest, for me. And like, I did do a poll on Twitter about what you know, what was the worst decision yesterday? Was it you know, penalty number one, penalty number two, um, Reem not getting sent off, or Vinicius not getting sent off? And it's almost kind of hard to, it's almost hard to pick, to be honest, because they've it, like they've all got those e- equal merits, and I'd be fascinated to know. You know, to hear the conversation of on VAR from going, yeah, he's not actually made that much contact. It's a light brushing. It's just, I just you give up sometimes, don't you? Mm. I think the one thing, had he have tried that on anybody else other than Kilman, yeah. they would probably have thrown themselves to the ground. I mean, yeah. Quang wouldn't think for a second because he's got that shit house inside of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the most out of it. Whereas I think Kilman's a little bit too honest and maybe a little bit too naive to have. I was like, going to say, and like, to, Andy, be honest, was part of you a little bit of said he did just deck him back? Oh, I would have swung a fucking elbow with a little cunt. <laughs> oh, yeah, I would have lost my shit. <laughs> yeah. Definitely should have. <laughs> it's like, and I think that's the, that's the annoying thing with with the Kilman one is that you haven't you haven't done anything with it. Yeah, but you know what? If he plays around and you know fakes it, then yeah, he maybe he, he probably loses a level of credibility, but he does uh, aid his team. If he literally quite stands up for himself and lays one on, uh, lays one on him, then his he'll let his team down, but his respect will go up. And it genuinely feels like him doing what is quite clearly the right and honest thing has not helped his team. Mm. And you know, I've seen Wolves fans getting annoyed at him. I you know I'm, I'm, I won't name names or whatever, but. I don't know. It, it, it it's a really tough one, and when like especially when you've got like former pros and the analysts sort of saying, "Oh well, you know, we should have made more of it and stuff like that." It's like it just doesn't help. Yeah, the situation. Yeah. yeah, because that then leads to players diving. Ultimately, making the most of it then leads to just flat out cheating, doesn't it? Let's yeah. be honest. 
So it's a, just a slippery slope. So you shouldn't have to, if you are in a violent incident, it is a violent incident, whether you get a broken bone or you don't. And like we said before, refs don't look at a foul unless a player goes to ground. They've made this rod for their own back. Even pre-VAR, that's what they were always like back then. They're just even worse at it now. Yeah, and I, I don't know, may, maybe there is a level of gamesmanship, which, you know, we we, we opened the show, didn't we, about talking about, um, uh, Tom, you sort of mentioned that Wolves are a little bit calmer and a bit less emotionally led than they previously were under, you know, Bruno Large and Lopetegui and arguing into Ruben Neves on Ruben Neves's on pitch leadership, and they do seem to have calmed it down to a degree, which is a good thing. And I'm actually quite happy about it because it's a little bit embarrassing when you know you got Podence or whatever kicking off or whatever. I, I get it. Um, but at the same time, I think if that happens, you know, eight months ago, there'd be six or seven players all surrounding the referee, all up in Vinicius' face, and it'd be a massive halt in play. And it didn't feel like that for what was actually quite a egregious act. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, um, I think with that as well, like, Talking about the emotion of the game and stuff like that. I mean, the problem is now, like what O'Neill said in his um, interview right after the game, and he said, do I behave, you know, how I should? Or is it time to make some noise? And don't get me wrong, like we say, O'Neill probably has calmed the camp down a lot. And a change of players does change the mood, especially towards referees. I mean, think about how long Neves was with... Uh, with us for and how many times he was annoyed with a referee's decision the same with Podence when he used to have rants on Instagram and stuff like that about the decision so you know I understand there's going to be mistakes and things but when it's can every single week like today um, Lamina's put something out on Instagram mm. basically just saying enough's enough uh, I know Neto tweeted something and then deleted it not long after. So I think, you know, that thing of players going around the referee again and making meals, I think, I think that probably will come back to us. And I feel like that's coming because we don't have a choice. And if that's the only way we're going to get things, I think that's what we're going to do. And unfortunately, I think that is the only way we're going to get things. So what what do you, what do you do what do you do for the best now like how, literally how do you how do you improve things you got to think of it as like it was like a football community not to get too deep or something how, how how does it get better because it's getting worse every week so what needs to be done now to improve things for mm. for, for the greater football world because I've seen a lot of a lot of tweets I know a lot of it's all you know in jest and everything like that um, but there's so many people just literally falling out of love with with the game now because it's it is being ruined. I, I know, like even even it's happened a few times to me recently. Even the Lamina one against Spurs, I you can't go wild in the stands anymore because you're just waiting for the board to go up to say, you know, checking this, checking that, you know, yeah. and you're thinking, well, you know, what can I disallow this goal for, basically? Whereas you know, mm-hmm. you used to go to a football game, you know, years ago, and like you imagine, like I don't know, various things like you know. Ryan Bennett's header against you know Bristol City, you knew that was a goal straight away. You know, you didn't have to wait for it to be confirmed by a screen. You know, my brother was there last night and he's texting me going, 
what's going on? Do you think that's going to be a penalty? Do you think that? Do you think this? It, it used to be the other way around. You used to text someone who was at a game asking their opinions on what was going on, and it's completely gone full circle. So the game is 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 literally changing before our eyes now, and people are people are going to turn away from it because it, it mm-hmm. is get, it is literally getting ruins because you can't watch a game anymore without this bullshit happening. And we've spent, you know, we've probably spent the bulk of this podcast talking about it. I know that a few of the podcasts I've done this season, I think it was exactly the same. It's getting debated on Sky Sports News, but it's taken up about half an hour of their hourly segment, talking to Dermot Gallagher and everything like that. But nothing's changing. So there needs to be some serious changes somewhere down the line. And it's it's affecting us at the moment, but, it, you know, it's got, it affects clubs at various points. So it's something needs to be done for the greater good of the game. I mean, yeah, the only sort of thing, and I used to sort of be a bit against against it, and it works in other sports, but just have what I know two appeals a half. You don't use yeah. them, you don't use them, but you can only, you, and like you can't carry them over. You can kind of use them for whatever, but the ref potentially has to go over to the monitor or something like that to review it. I don't you think can that still was... speak still speak yeah. to external people, but you know, as you go back, have a look at that incident, and again, it puts a bit of onus on the. Yeah, yes, it still means that referees have to make the right decisions constantly. It puts a different onus on managers, but actually, they take a level of accountability. And yeah, they can still sort of say, "Yeah, the ref got it wrong after we used up our two appeals because we used them inside twenty minutes or whatever." But actually, you can't almost have that make between it. I, I don't. I I don't think you should get rid of VAR. I think it's just that the, the IFAB directives don't. I, I just aren't fit for purpose at the moment. I don't think it helps these bad decisions getting made. And what is viewed on monitors and what isn't. So, like for for example, first game of the season. Man United, um, just yeah, like that. That that feels like a lifetime ago. Nothing's changed from that point, and that was in the first weekend of the season. That was three months ago. That was that, was that one as well. <laughs> yeah, Salisbury and Atwell again. It, it's interesting. I do think the refs need to be more involved in the decision making post decision made mm. if if that makes sense so they give the penalty and then they just hand it over to someone else yes they might try and describe what they've seen but actually if they can watch it on the monitor at the same time as the var because it's going to take the same amount of time if they run over to the screen as it is to just stand there and wait so i do think they could be a bit more involved in making the decision so it's the right outcome and it shouldn't be a case of is it a clear and obvious error it should be is it the right decision? That's what it should always come down to. We should always just get the right decision rather than the least wrong decision. Yeah. And it feels like that's what we, they're sort of aiming for, is to just piss off as few people as possible rather than piss nobody off and make sure it's correct. Yeah. Because in a way, I'd rather them sort of just say, no, it's a penalty. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you, you're wrong. Just, Just... And like let let's say let's say the Jao Gomez one for example. If it was just very clearly communicated, no, it is a foul. Yes, he's he has bought it, 
but Gomez got nowhere near the ball, X, Y, and Z. And it's sort of up to us as fans and media, media podcast fan stuff to kind of just accept it. And I think we do as a whole for the little decisions. We try your best to, hmm. which is why I think, you know, actually you have a better, you know, have a structured appeal process like you do in NFL, where you get your free appeals, half of them know what you can appeal them on is, you know, slightly, it would be maybe slightly differently. But that hot, looking at yesterday, as I mentioned, like for the first penalty, he took a long time to make that decision. And I'd have had no issue with him going, That's a pe- I'm marking that as a penalty, but I'm going to go and look at it with the consultation mm-hmm. of whoever to confirm. If there's nothing that I don't agree, but I'm going to look at it. But can you imagine? Like, I, I don't understand this like, weird, almost school like, it, it's almost like education like behavior, isn't it? Where, no, no, I need someone else to look at my work. To tell mm-hmm. me it's wrong, rather than just look at it myself and kind of be the judge of my own accountability. In in the audio, in the audio things that you hear, they just all they do is back each other up. They never disagree yeah, no. with one another in that. Mm-hmm. There's no debate having being done there whatsoever. What the one idea I had is is that you have a you have like a panel basically. So you have might mm-hmm. you have like five, six, seven people, whatever, and they can do all the games at the same time. So it's very rare you're gonna have these things cropping up at the same time. But let's say you have, I don't know, five people on the panel, a couple of them are refs, a couple of them are ex-pros, you know, maybe, I don't know, coach or, you know, whatever, journalist, whatever. And then none of them can know what the other person's voting. There's a, there's a decision to be made, penalty, not penalty. They press a button and, and it's all, you know, it's confidential, so you can't see. So you're not influenced by other people. And then the greatest vote takes it because then you're watering out. It's like in boxing. They have three judges. Yeah. I mean, boxing yeah, yeah. is the most corrupt sport in the world, isn't it? And there's always one that just calls it completely, like, differently. <laughs> um, but then you get the other two there because they right the wrong of the of the other guy. So if you, the more people you've got, the the more you, you're filtering out all the shites, basically. So, I mean, that was one idea I had. I mean, that shouldn't be too hard to do. But the stuff, when you listen to the audio, they never debate anything between each other. They're just saying, yeah, 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 I agree. Yeah, this, yeah, that. And 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 yeah, it's just it's a big boys brigade basically, and they will just back each other up, and they won't they won't disagree with one another. Yeah, mm-hmm. which problem is, and when you hear it, you go, wait, if we just is the interpretation of the rules by fans so bad? But it's like no, it's like it just doesn't seem to like pass the eye test, does it? Where you see something, you go, well. I've watched an awful lot of football in my life and I don't know, I, I don't understand how that is given as a penalty or that's not given as a penalty. And then you, you hear the rest talk about it like, um, I, I don't know, like, it's like almost in a completely different language or from this viewpoint, which almost feels so far from the reality of the situation. Uh, to be fair, I like the idea of this, actually, you're your assistant referee, your virtual assistant referees are judging it. But again, it's when you bring those in, do you bring them for every decision or, you know, it, it's just a nightmare, isn't it? Um, one thing I'd say about it as well, I think you look, you look at the referees we've got in the Premier League. I mean, for example, Mike Dean just retired last season. 
from being in the middle. Um, I'm sure he came out and said, or someone came out and said, there was on VAR, and there was something to do with the decision, and it ended with, because he's my mate. Yeah, that was Mike Dean. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that says it all from the start. Uh, you know, a referee's job is to look after these players, to make sure the game is played fairly, the safety of the players, simple. When, for example, the World Cup that's just gone, I don't know what you guys think, but I thought the refereeing, especially in the final, was brilliant. Yeah. I thought it was top-notch, superb. <laughs> Everything was done like that. It was brilliant. I thought, this, you know, this is what football should be. And if you're going to bring VAR in, get it in, check it for a minute, see if you agree. We don't need to be spending 10 minutes. It takes the flow out of the game. And... I mean, like, for example, if any of us go and referee a game on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning, we can't go and check a decision we've just made for 10 minutes. So I think referees are are scared to make a decision sometimes because you've got that person in your ear who's Mm. saying, oh, you might have just missed a penalty five minutes ago. And it's it's like they're scared to make a decision in case of being wrong. And, like, with the Gomez penalty... As soon as he went to the monitor, you know it's going to be given as a penalty. I'd, I'd love to know if there's been a time where a referee's gone to the monitor and overturned it. Because every time a referee goes to the monitor, it seems to be the penalty is given. And I feel like, you know, having them peop- having the other referees in your ear, I think a lot of them are, are scared, scared to be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's going, to be, it's going to be interesting and, you know, it, yes, they were sort of yet another one and thank, thank, thankfully even uh, the, the Vinicius one, I was sure in my head that he was going to bag the winner and that was the only saving grace for me from yesterday. Um, but that didn't happen. But, you know, we, we move on. We've not exactly got an easy game coming up against Arsenal um, up the weekend, but of course guys we will be there to preview it um on thursday with little dan and the boys um big thank you to everyone who's tuned in apologies for my very crappy internet connection in leafy uh <laughs> Schiffnell. um but we will be back as soon as we can make sure you keep up to date with all things wolves fancast at wolves fancast on twitter facebook instagram and the rest of it until next time it's goodbye from tom green It's goodbye from Tom Calvert. See you guys. It's goodbye from Andy. See you later. And it's goodbye from me. See you next time.